The following is a continuation of our series, Onward and Upward, looking at our daily growth through sanctification. We hope you enjoy. Thank you all for coming. Tonight we're going to continue in our study on sanctification, and we're going to be looking at the provision of God's holiness So before we jump into that, let me pray for us and ask God's blessing on our time. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be with us as we come together, as we open your word. I do pray that you would work in our hearts, help us to see how great you are, Lord, and we need you because of that. I pray that your holiness would be something that we come away from tonight with a better understanding of, and I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so when I say the word holiness, it can sound like a kind of a scary word, right? What kind of images come up in your mind when I say the word holiness? Okay? Okay, Leviticus. That's definitely a good one. I saw another hand over here somewhere. Perfectness. Okay. Uh, Does the image of like some monastery with a bunch of monks sitting around doing chants come into your head? Like people like trying to be perfect? Yes. Okay, Jesus is a great answer, right? Uh, When we think about holiness, it, it seems like something that's like so long ago, right? Something that that was what people back in the 16th century did, right? But when we think about holiness, sometimes it seems like not pertinent to our time, not pertinent to the culture that we live in. But what I want us to see tonight is that it really is. We can actually be holy as God is holy because he's called us to be holy as he is holy. And he provides for us the means in which we can pursue holiness doesn't mean we can be perfect doesn't mean that we can like arrive in christianity and now we don't sanctification anymore because we've made it but he provides what we need each and every day to follow him and trust in him as we saw last week sin is a reality it's the reality that we live in we have to deal with the effects of sin each and every day but we also get to deal with the effects of our salvation each and every day we get to see god at work I want to read a quote by one of my favorite writers. His name is Ed Welch. He writes this. Holy is first about God and how everything about him is holy. How his holiness expands. It goes farther and farther out and reaches into human uncleanliness. But then it gathers people into holiness. That is his pleasure. So when God reaches down and saves us, he draws us in. He invites us into his holiness so that we get to experience that and that we get to actually have it for ourselves. We're going to turn God's word tonight to look at the holiness of God and see how he provides the way to draw us into that holiness. So our main point for tonight, we're made holy through the holiness of Jesus. We are made holy through the holiness of Jesus. So I've asked Michael to come up here and read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 to 16. 1 Peter 1, 14 to 16. We'll give you all a second to get there. Why don't you go ahead and read that for us, Michael? As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. As Peter is telling us this, as as he says, be holy as I am holy, what is he trying to tell us about how we are to live? We are to do what? We're to be holy, right? We're not called to just sit and not do anything in our Christian walk. 
we're told to actually like get up and walk in holiness. We're called to actually pursue Him. Okay? Peter tells us that God is perfect and holy in every single way. So the standard is very clear. right? It's not just something that God said in the Old Testament, and that was good for them, but for us, we can live differently. No, the standard has never changed. God is holy. He expects us to be holy. Now, we couldn't do that, right? That's why Jesus had to come. But the standard is still there. We are still to be pursuing godliness. Because we're made into his children, he wants us to be like him. He doesn't want us to be like the world. He actually wants us to be like him. So in light of everything that we talked about with sin last week, does that seem like this impossible task? Does it seem like we can even do that? We can actually pursue holiness? It's kind of a trick question. The answer is yes and no. It's no in the sense that we can't get that on our own, but it's yes in the sense that he provides for us. He actually equips us to be able to do that. We get Christ's record when he saves us. And because of that record, he changes our hearts, changes our lives, and actually remolds your brain to be able to understand the things of the scriptures, to be able to understand the things of God, so that you can actually get up and walk. So let's talk about two big theological terms. You guys have all heard these, but it's important to understand the nature of each. You all know the words justification? You all know the word sanctification. You should, because it's what we're talking about. But there's a big difference between those two. And I want to read from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I want to lean into why understanding these two terms are so important for us in our walk with Christ. Justification is when God saves us from sin. It's like him walking into a courtroom and declaring you not guilty, right? Uh, Sanctification is when God actually reaches down into your heart and changes you and makes you more like him. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 33, says this. What is justification? And I want you to focus on this first sentence of each of these, okay, because it's hugely important. I'm going to read the whole thing, but focus on the first sentence. Justification is an act of God's free grace in which he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight for the sake of the righteousness of Jesus alone, which is credited to us and received by faith alone. Now, question number 35, what is sanctification? Sanctification is a work of God's free grace by which we are renewed throughout our whole bodies in the image of God and are made more and more to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness. Now, did you see the difference between those two things? What does the catechism say that justification is? It's a act of God's grace, which means what? It means it's happened, right? He's declared you righteous. It's a one-time thing, right? But sanctification is what? It's a work of God's grace. What's the difference between an act and a work? Yeah, you have salvation, great, right? God has saved you. It's done. He can't lose that. There's no going back on that. He has done a great work to save you from your sin. And we get that, right? But sanctification, it's not like God sanctify me, boom, plug in something in the back of your brain, download it, and you're good to go. You're sanctified, right? Does that happen? No. Right? It's a lifelong process. Okay, We're going to spend a whole lesson just on the process of sanctification later. But the fact that it's a work of God's grace shows that He cares, and he loves you enough to actually invest in you each and every day. Understanding the difference between those two, I think, is hugely important for us. So, again, justification is an act. It's done once. Sanctification is this work that the Holy Spirit is actively doing in your heart. 
which means that we should be seeing change in our lives. And if we don't see change in our lives, then we need to be asking ourselves tough questions, okay? A helpful way of thinking about this is that in justification, we're saved from sin, and in sanctification, we are moving away from it, right? Both are daily realities for believers, both the reality of our salvation through justification, but the reality of God's work to change you and actually take the sins that you struggle with, the things that plague you and haunt you, and move you away from those things. So we see God's holiness, but we also need to see how God's holiness changes us. Christopher, I think I asked you to read Galatians 2.20. If you can come up here and read that for us. So Galatians 2.20. All right, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Thanks, sir. Paul is writing about how, and we use this term union with Christ, how our union with Christ, when he draws us to himself, he makes us his own. How that reality, the fact that we are made one with Jesus, changes every single thing about our lives. If you were at the beach trip with us this summer, we spent three nights talking about union with Christ and how important it is to us. So I want to pose this question to you, and you don't have to answer this out loud because you're going to talk about this in small groups, but have you ever gone through something that changed everything about you? Have you ever experienced something, maybe something has happened to you, and all of a sudden you respond to a specific situation differently moving forward? Maybe it was an act of kindness. Maybe it was not an act of kindness. Somebody did wrong by you, and it causes you to react a certain way, or or maybe you have just gone through some sort of experience that was just so amazing that you're like, man, I want more of that. Oftentimes, specific events and things that happen in our lives bring change to us. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is telling us here, is that this particular event, when Jesus comes into our lives, comes into our hearts and changes us, it brings about life change. It means that our sins are no longer things that we have to identify with. It means that our lives are no longer ours and we can actually be freed to pursue him apart from our sin. So when we read that passage, what else do we see about the change that God is doing in his people? We see that though we still have sin in our hearts, God actually helps us to see that sin and not only see it and recognize that it's bad, but also to be able to our hand up and walk away from it, right? It says, in the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. This is putting our sin to death, which I want to be very honest with you, is a really hard thing to do. Have you ever really looked at a sin that you struggle with and be like, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore? What happens? You pretty much end up doing that more than you did before, (laughs) Uh, Because you're trying to do it on your own, right? God is the one that has to be doing work on our sin. And if we're trying to fight it on our own, we're typically going to find ourselves failing miserably. In fact, I won't say typically, I'll say you will. But we have to be relying on our faith in God. This means that though we still live in the flesh, which is just a fancy way of describing our sinful nature. We talked a lot about that last week. And we'll continue in sin because of that nature. But we rest and trust in the work that God is doing. And instead of moping and beating ourselves up over our sin, we get to do what? We actually get to look at Jesus and say, you know what? 
even though I struggle with this sin and I've done this, I can go to him, rest in his mercy, see the change that he's actually doing in my heart, and I can lean into that and walk away. And again, doesn't mean you'll never go back to your sins, but it does mean that we have a higher purpose. We have something better to live for than to guilt ourselves all the time. So he wants us to see the work in our hearts and our minds to bring us towards repentance. I've often used this illustration because my youth pastor shared this illustration with me and it's stuck with me ever since 2002. Okay? Uh, my youth pastor used to use a wall or a chair. I'm going to use this speaker right here. Right? Okay? This is my sin. Okay? I love my sin, right? Does anybody like their sin? You should all be raising your hand. Okay? We all like our sin. I hang out with my sin, right? I dwell in it, I participate in it, and I revel in it because it's enjoyable, right? But what happens when Christ calls us away from our sin? What does he ask us to do? To do what? To walk away from it, right? So we walk away. Now what's going to happen because of our sinful nature? What are we going to do? We're going to go right back to that speaker, okay? We're going to go right back to that sin because on our own we cannot get away from that. But the more we grow in Christ, the more we grow in our understanding of the Scriptures, the more we are seeking Him, what's going to happen? We're going to find ourselves making our way further and further away from that sin. Okay? And sometimes we'll make it a mile away. Sometimes we'll make it ten feet away. Sometimes we won't even get our hand off the speaker itself before we go back to it. But God is constantly drawing us away from that. And that's the difference between confession and repentance. Sometimes we kind of mix those things up in our heads. Confession is actually saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. And repentance is, Lord, help me to flee from my sin. In order to understand how God is providing his holiness to us, we have to understand repentance. Repentance is hard. Repentance isn't something that's an easy thing. In fact, God tells us to take up our cross daily and follow him. Which means there are certain parts of your life that you enjoy that you're not supposed to. And God doesn't want you to enjoy because it's not righteous, because it's sinful. And he calls you away from that. And even though it's hard, we are to be doing that. So our last passage tonight, I ask Caitlin to read Philippians 2, 12 to 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Okay. This one particular passage we could spend days on because it, it's one that people misunderstand quite a bit. And we don't have time to flesh it out completely. And if you have questions about what Paul is talking about here, please come talk to me, come talk to the small group leaders. But what does he mean when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling? What do you think he's talking about? Hannah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when we hear the words work it out, we tend to think it's like he's saying, yeah, go figure it out on your own, right? Come back when you figured it out, let us know. But that's not what he's saying. When he says work it out with fear and trembling, he is relying solely on the work of who? Of, of God. He's relying solely on the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you read Philippians 1-2, to that's very clear that he's talking about the work that God is doing. And that's the work that we have to trust in, that we have to rest in. doesn't mean that we go get it for ourselves, but rather speaking about the reality that your salvation, that justification that we talked about earlier, it's the reality of what that's doing inside of you and seeing how God is working that out. 
and following him in that. Jesus saves us. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. So here's a question for us. Do we have a role in our sanctification? I'll give you a hint. It's a trick question. Yes and no. No in the sense that if we're doing it on our own, what happens? We fail. We're not glorifying God when we do it on our own. But does God call us to live a life unto him? Yes. So we do have a role. We, our choices do matter. When we lie or when we steal or when we lust after somebody or when we are angry with somebody, those things grieve God and grieve the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't want us to do those things. He wants us to actively flee from those things. And we're called, again, to be holy as God is holy. We have a role to play in that. Now, our role is to follow the work that God is doing, but he does call us to actually give up things. So, have you ever had somebody hurt you? Or maybe they've gossiped about you. Maybe they've physically hurt you or punched you in the face or, or something. Maybe they've betrayed you. Y'all ever been betrayed or hurt? Does it feel good? Is it easy to trust that person afterwards? It's not. Now, I want you to think about that same situation. And maybe this hasn't happened for you, and, and that's okay. Uh, but think about someone who has like, actually brought hurt into your life. And maybe that person has worked really, really hard to restore and really, really hard to build your trust back up. Someone that over time has shown their true desire to make things right and bring about real change in their hearts. If you've never experienced that, I hope you do, because restoration and having peace with somebody that you were once at odds with is such a beautiful thing. But in order for us to understand our sanctification, we have to look at it kind of through that lens. God is drawing us back to himself. He's always bringing us his grace. And part of our role is to keep going back to him, to keep pursuing. Instead of fleeing in our shame, instead of fleeing and saying, you know what, I'm just terrible and I'll never be right with God. He wants us to keep coming back to him. And again, that's that word repentance that we talked about. He wants us to keep going back because we can actually have true change in our hearts. When you want to build a habit of doing something, what do you do? Practice it, right? And the more we practice something, the better we get at it. So, when we see true repentance to our sin, we actually see that God is at work. And that's what I want us to really focus on tonight. That God is perfectly holy. He's working in your heart. He's actually seeking to bring about true change. I want you to think about the one sin that just plagues you. The one thing that you feel like you could never get rid of. God has the power to work that out of you. Even though we'll always sin till the day we die, he is actively seeking to work that out of you. And we need to go with that, right? Instead of just hearing the call of God to say, flee from that sin, he's giving us the Holy Spirit. He provides us everything we need. He equips us. There's a great hope that we can have in the midst of our sin to actually run away from it. Jesus saved us from something to move us towards something, and that's holiness. So again, sanctification makes us more like Christ. We're to work it out with fear and trembling, as the Philippians passage said. But as we do that, we trust in the work that he's doing, not on our own. So we're going to split into small groups and talk more about that. But before we do, let me pray for us. Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you that you actually have set a standard for us, Lord. That you haven't called us to just live however we want. But you have called us to die unto our sin and to live unto righteousness, Lord. So as we talk about our sanctification tonight, as we talk about your holiness, I do ask that you would 
Reveal to us, Lord, the sins that we struggle with in our heart so that we can seek to repent of those things and turn from them. I ask that we would not trust in ourselves, but rather you. We pray all this in Christ's holy and wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WYN.